praise the Lord, brothers and sisters. We thank the Lord for his goodness as always. There is no God like our God. He's the one, he's the true and living God. He has no contenders or no rivals or anything like that. He's God all by himself. There isn't a pantheon of gods. There isn't a collection of gods, but there is only one God, and that one God is who we serve. We thank the Lord for every opportunity that he gives us to be in the word of God. We are thankful we have finished up our um, series on uh, God's mercy. When we cry, we thank the Lord for that. Um, and uh, we are moving on into a new series. We'll give you the title in just a moment. Uh, we are continuing in the book of Psalms, chapter 27. Um, starting at verse number one, a Psalm of David, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemy and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and failed, though in hopes should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me in this, will I be confident? One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock, and now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy upon me and answer me. When thou saidest, seek my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek, hide not thy face far from me, put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help, leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. May the Lord have a blessing to those that read and those that hear and do his word. We thank the Lord um, for his uh, word. Um, as always, the blessing is in the obedience. We talked about that many, many times. And I think we'll always talk about it probably every time we start. The blessing is in the obedience. So make sure that you are finding yourself in obedience to the word of God. Now, we are beginning a new uh, series. We finished the mercy when he, uh, God's mercy when we cry um, in the book of Psalms, uh, chapter 27. We are still in the book of Psalms, but we are beginning um, a new series here um, covering a new set of scriptures. Um, we'll go, that will go as, 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 as far as we're able to take it. Uh, it might be one or two lessons in that as we make our way. We're almost done with Psalms 27, and it has been a true blessing. I know to me, there are times I go back and, and, I, and, and I use it to, to, to refresh my understanding and my mind 
on the study and the things that uh, that God's taught us through that. And I hope you're doing the same. That's that's exactly what this is for. Don't don't just don't don't approach this with the mindset of I'm just going to get it for that Sunday. We record these things for you. I ask you to take notes so that you'll have a document. You'll have a way of going back and reviewing the word of God. You don't just get all the time God's word the first time it's uh, it's spoken to you or the first time you go over it. You got to spend some time in that word. And I guarantee you, even when you spend some time for all the things that you get, you can go back a month later or two months later or even beyond that. And God will show you something new in a scripture that you've read maybe a thousand times because he's God and he reserves the right to do that. And he's the author. And, and because of that, he can tell you exactly what he means. Now, we've, we're, we're this new series here, we're going to talk a little bit about finding God. Amen. We're going to talk a little bit about um, finding God. Um, we're going to talk about the God who really lets us find him. Amen. Psalms 27 uh, verse 9 says this, hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Amen. Amen. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. Look at verse number 10. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Amen. So let's unpack a few things here. We finished last week um, dealing with um, um, the salvation process. Really, we talked about approaching God um, the way he wants, and that's with a whole heart. God wants us to come uh, to deal with him according to his nature. We learned that the nature of God is that of love. We learned that there's, uh, that there's truth, uh, in, um, um, and, and, uh, not just love alone, but God nature within God's nature, it consists of more. Amen. Amen. More than just love. We know from John, first John four and eight, God is love. Now we know that from the epistle. Amen. From the gospel of John, we learn uh, in John 4, 23 and 24, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the father in spirit and in truth. Amen. So we learn there that God is not, is, is God is a spirit. We already learned that God is love and we learned that God is truth. He is the spirit of truth. Amen. The rest of that scripture says, for the father seeketh such to worship him. Amen. So when he says he seeketh such to worship him, he's saying that he seeks those who are like him. Those who are going in the same direction. Amen. He just told you the worshiper shout. He just said when the true, the, the hour cometh. And now when the true worshipers, so he wants true worshipers, shall worship the father, watch this, and this is how they do it, in spirit and in truth, amen. For the father seeketh such to worship him. Those are the individuals, those are the kinds of people that God is looking for to receive worship from, amen, amen. He's not trying to get worship from anybody. Amen. God doesn't got God, God and we'll see that a little bit later. But God plainly tells you that He's looking for those who are going to worship Him in spirit. God is a spirit; He's not a man. He is a spirit. That's what the Word teaches. And in truth, He is a spirit of truth. 
So when we worship him, we must be truthful in our worship. We've got to be real in our worship. We can't come to God with some kind of shady agenda or, or, or just being phony. Uh, it, we can't do that. We cannot do that. So many times we do do that and we try to pass that off and God just simply doesn't receive it. No, he doesn't receive it at all. I would that all of us would wake up and realize that we cannot just hand God anything. But so many times we're all guilty of doing just that very thing. We try to hand God what we think is good enough. Family, only what God has said is good enough is actually good enough. You don't get to rewrite. You don't get to revamp. You don't get to remix. Do you hear what I'm saying? You don't get to rearrange what God likes. You, we don't get to just come with a version of what God likes. And last week we went all, we went deep into that whole giving, bringing God a version of that. We can't do all of that. You got, you, if you're going to serve God, you're not going to serve God on your own terms. You are going to have to serve God on his terms. I remember um, a few years ago, I was working at the job and, um, and I met an individual um, and, um, um, an individual, um, uh, um, who, uh, was telling me about, um, her and her husband's, uh, church experience, um, and what they were looking for and that they were, um, wanting to get closer to God and, and all of these different things. And they were, and just talking about their, their, their journey. So this wasn't a person who was looking, this was a person who felt that they had already found, um, and, um, and, and, and I gave them some, some, some very information, but I'll never forget the beginning of that whole thing when they described um, 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 how their, you know, their, their desire to be closer to God and what they were looking for. And, um, and I never forget that when, as she described what her and her husband were looking for, and they had a, they had a, a, a child, um, but when they described what it was that they were looking for in a church, what they used to select a church, okay, what the criteria was, I'll never forget them describing this whole, giving me this whole list of things that were all about what they could get out of God and what they could they about what the church could provide. It was all about the daycare and it was all about convenient times and it was all about this and it was all about that. And it was all of these things, pretty much the things that you probably would use if you were trying to make a selection um, of for something or concerning something um, in the world. Perhaps maybe you were looking for a house and you, maybe you were looking for a neighborhood to live. It, it was a list likened unto that. And I remember thinking to myself, my goodness, how easy it is for us to treat God the same way we treat any and everything else. We look at it as if it's a transaction where that has to be about our benefit. In other words, we look at it like a deal or something. We, we, we approach God from the standpoint many times of what can I get out of God? What can God do for me? But family, if God doesn't do anything else for you or for me, he's already done enough. And what he's already done 
Even that he didn't have to do. Jesus went to a cross and paid for crimes that were not his own. And I can't stress that enough. What more can we legitimately with a straight face ask of God to do? Yet we do it all the time. And I'm glad that we serve a God who wants, who, who allows us to ask. And there's nothing wrong with asking, but when you do so from the attitude and from the mindset, as if God somehow owes you something, that's the wrong attitude. And I'm going to tell you, that's going to keep you from seeing and receiving what God has for you. See, many of the blessings, when we talk about blessings and being blessed of God, I fear that one of the troubles that we run into because the, 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 the religious landscape or the church landscape is so uh, drunk on the concept of getting, 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 getting from God. It is, it's, it is utter just nonsense. But ne nevertheless, the, just, the, the, I don't know what's going on with the churches, but, but, we, but, but the people are so into themselves, self-centered, coming to God and looking to God to do this, that, and other. We act like God owes us things. Listen, the Bible teaches us that by his stripes, we are healed. Amen. Our healing comes from the Lord. The Bible teaches this very plainly, very plainly. But do you realize that even though we are healed by his stripes, or in other words, we have healing through what he's done, do you realize that that's not why you come to God? That's not, not why we base our relationship. We don't base our relationship on God based around what he can physically heal us from when we have issues. Yes, our healing was purchased by his stripes and with his shed blood. But he's not obligated to just give you that. He's not on the hook to just be at our beck and call, which is why every time God heals us or heals a loved one, we ought to be thanking God with everything that we have, not treating it as if it's just another day at the office and God's doing what he's supposed to do. Listen, God may have paid for all those stripes. By all those stripes, he may have paid for, for, for healing to make it available. But just because it is available, you need to understand something. Healing is still the divine prerogative of God, and it is his choice to give it. It is available, but you need to understand it's not put on, it's, it's not a buffet table. Healing is not on a buffet table where you just go ahead and take your healing. Nah, -uh, God have to give you that. You still got to have respect to God. You still got to pay attention to what you're doing how you walk before the Lord. Don't go around asking God for things and you know you're living foul. 
you know you're doing the wrong thing. I know that I'm acting up. No, no. I would that we not disrespect the sacrifice of the life laid down by our Lord and Savior by treating it as a mundane thing and something that God has to do. Oh, he went to the cross and he died because he had to do it. No, he didn't. No, he didn't have to do it. He did that because he loved you. He chose to love you. Worshiping in God has got to be according to his nature. And we learned all of these things. And that's a wonderful thing. Now, when we look at our text, okay, because we learned about all of those things and, and coming to God uh, with our whole heart and all of these different things we learned last week about, um, we learned um, we learned why God requires a new heart. We learned why we can't just come to God and, and get things done with the existing heart. We realized, learned why that was disqualified. We talked about, we learned about the carnal mind um, as, um, as outlined in Romans chapter eight, verses one through eight. Um, that was just a wonderful thing. Please review that if you don't, if you are not aware of it, or if you had not had a chance to, 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 uh, to partake in that study, it will help you get your understanding of what the Bible is talking about when it mentions the carnal mind. So we dove into that. Um, amen for that. Um, we also learned how God does this, how, so not only did we learn how, why we need it, why we've got to have a new heart, amen, the purpose of that, okay? Why does he require it? But we also learned how he does that. And we learned that he does it through, amen, through a divine surgical procedure called a circumcision. Amen. Circumcision of the heart. And we gave you uh, tons of scriptures for all of that. Okay. We gave you Deuteronomy 10, 14 through 17, Deuteronomy 30, um, chat, verse number six. We gave you Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34, and Hebrews chapter eight, verses nine through 11. And then we rounded it all out with Romans uh, chapter two, um, verses 28 and 29. Amen. Then we talked about how we partake in that. Okay. We get that new heart through the salvation process. Okay. Amen. Amen. And, and, and the instructions for participating in that salvation process, we find that in the book of Acts chapter two, and we gave you verses 36 through 41. Amen. Okay. That's how you be saved. That's how you do it. That's what God is, is doing. Amen. And so we learned also finally that, 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 that mankind's that within the salvation process. Okay. So we, the part, our part is to be saved. Okay. Or salvation is what we participate in. When it comes to receiving this new heart, we have got to go through the salvation process. Amen. Amen. But as we finish that up, because there is just one other thing that I actually do want to talk about that, because our, the, the, the role that we play, okay, God gives us the new heart through this spiritual circumcision, okay, this, this spiritual circumcision process has another name, so to speak, 
and it is the process of salvation, okay? When we talk about salvation, when God brings us through that process, okay, our heart is circumcised in all of these different things. And we already know now why we have to have it. Why? Because the natural mind or the natural or the heart in its, uh, in its uh, uh, before it is circumcised, it's against God. It's not subject to the law of God. God wants you to worship him according to his nature like him. If you're going to do that, you need something that is connected to him. What you have initially prior to the salvation process is not connected. You are born in sin, which means that you are born dead. You are born disconnected from God. So the circumcision process is God rehooking you up, amen, to himself. Except he doesn't hook up the old heart. He hooks up a new heart. Amen. Amen. And that is done through a divine surgical circumcision process. Amen. Amen. Now, mankind's part in the salvation process contains components. Okay. What we do, it contains components that must also be done with the whole heart. See, worshiping God, serving God, all of these things got to be done with the whole heart. And so, and so too, the salvation process, the parts that are for us to do, those have to be done with the whole heart. Amen. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 30, and I want you to look at verse number two. The Bible says this, and shalt return unto the Lord thy God and shalt obey his voice according to all that I command thee this day, thou and thy children, amen, with all thine heart and with all thy soul. Now, verse two, that verse, that look at that. Let's go back to the top of that. And shalt return unto the Lord thy God. What is he talking about when he's talking about return? That's talking about repentance. That's talking about repentance. So what this scripture is talking about, return unto the Lord thy God and shall obey his voice according to all that I command thee this day. When we return to the Lord, we return to the Lord through repentance. That's how we do that. So that's why I say that's talking about repentance, okay? The way we return to the Lord when we are away from the Lord is through repentance. And he's telling you here that it has to be done with all thine heart and with all thy soul. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 30. And I want you to look at verse number 10. Now we looked at verse two. Now I want you to look at verse 10, same chapter. If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord, thy God, to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of the law, watch this. And if thou Turn unto the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul. Amen. Turning, what is he talking about? Repentance. Repentance, amen. Repentance is part of the salvation process. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter two, look at verse 37. And when now, verse 37, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? 
Then Peter said unto them, verse 38, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin, of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Notice what he said, verse 38, top of it, repent. That repentance is how you turn to God. That's part of that turning process. In order to turn to God, you got to repent. In order to return to God, you've got to what? Repent. And what we just learned in Deuteronomy 30 and 2 and 30 and 10 is, is that when you turn to the Lord, which is repentance or deals with repenting, okay, it has to be done with the whole heart. Amen. Amen. Baptism requires belief with the whole heart. Amen. Amen. And that's what we just read in verses when we in, 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 in the book of Acts chapter two. We just read verse 37 through, and 38, but you can start literally at verse 36. That must be done with the whole heart. Returning to God must be done with the whole heart. Service to God. Worshiping God. God says, if it's not legitimate, if it's not sincere, if it's not real, I don't want it. God says, you've got to serve me with a new heart, with a whole heart. And what we learned is, is that in order to serve God with a whole heart, truly, because we're talking about the long run, we're talking about consistently. When we talk about serving God with the whole heart, we're talking about that life lived. Amen. That pleases God. So we're not talking about, uh, you know, once and twice. No, we're talking about a lifestyle. And if you're going to live holy, if you're going to be righteous, you're going to have to do that. If you're going to have fellowship with God, you are going to have to do so through and with a whole with a whole heart. Now, in order to do that, you are going to need a new heart. So you're going to have to go through the salvation process because it's in the salvation process that God performs the spiritual circumcision surgery. This is where you get the new heart. This is where you get a heart that is connected to God. But in order for you to go through the process, in order for you to go through the salvation process, the components that you are obligated to do, what's the components that I got, I'm obligated to do? I got to be, I got to repent. And I got to be baptized in his name. Receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, that's a gift from God. God does that part. God takes care of that. You can't strong arm that. That's a gift. And God gives it to all his children, all of them. And yes, the sign when you have it is that of speaking in another tongue. That, that's what the Bible teaches. But that's not the part that we're focusing on. Because that's a part that you can't control. That's a part that you can't do. You will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's a gift. 
But the part that you can do is, is you can repent and you can be baptized in the water for the remission of your sins. But what we have just learned, especially with Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 2 and Deuteronomy 30 and 10, that even repentance, the part that you can do, has to be done with the whole heart. Meaning that when I go through the, pro when I repent, when I turn my heart and my mind towards God to go through the salvation process whereby I get a heart, a new heart, so that I can live before God consistently the way he wants to, wants me to. See, before the new heart, you can't do it consistently. Why? Because your flesh, the natural man, is out of order. He's not subject to the law of God. He's at war with God. This is why you have to always fight with yourself. And sometimes you got to talk yourself into doing what you know you're supposed to do because your body get tired, you get tired. Man, Jesus told you. The spirit is willing. It's indeed willing. But the flesh is weak. Paul said, in my flesh, in me dwells no good thing. The problem is the flesh family. It's at odds with God. It's at war with God. And so whenever you do something right in the flesh, it's going to be because you have to force yourself to. You have to talk yourself into doing it. You don't have to talk yourself into doing the things that the flesh loves, but the stuff that's inconvenient for the flesh, oh, you're going to have to talk yourself into that one. And that is why you are only going to ever get so far. The flesh is so wishy-washy, it is ridiculous. You can't establish a pattern of righteousness in the flesh. Unaided by the spirit. Your spirit's got to run point, but you but you got to have a spirit that is connected to God. Because then you have the strength to override the ridiculous decisions that the flesh will make, unaided by the spirit. Paul said, when I would do good, evil is always present with me. He said, it's a law warring in my members. And no matter where you are or when you listen to this, you got to fight on your hands with your flesh. Some days are just easier than others. And then there are some days where the flesh is just acting up, spinning out of control. The flesh is not going to just simply obey. You are going to have to conquer that flesh. It's not going to willingly submit. You are going to have to force it into submission. 
And the only way to do that is to walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen. But to walk in the spirit consistently, because that's the trick, walking in, to walk in the spirit rather, consistently. To walk in the spirit consistently, that's the trick. Because if you don't walk in the spirit consistently, you will walk in the flesh consistently. To walk in the spirit consistently. You are going to need a new heart. But before you walk in this, before you get that, prior to that, you got to first get through the salvation process. And if you are going to get through the salvation process, you are going to have to bring your flesh initially into submission to the divine salvation ordinance, to the command of God. It means you got to obey what the Bible says. You got to obey the gospel. You got to be, you got to repent. And you got to be baptized. And in order for that to happen, you are going to have to Go through it and do it with a heart that wants to. Because if you don't, if you just go through it, but your heart's not in it, God won't respond to that. Why? Because God responds to that which is done with the whole heart. So you might not be, you might not have enough in you to walk after the spirit consistently for the rest of your life, unaided by God, but you do, he's given you enough. Bible says he's given every man a measure of faith. But you do have the ability To do it enough, to walk in the spirit enough, to go through the initial salvation process. Once that happens, God then, and that circumcision takes place, he then empowers you to go the rest of the way. See, you can't go the rest of the way without the new heart. But you do have enough that God has given you to get to the point where you can get the new heart. Glory to God. I'm telling you, God is merciful. This is good stuff. This is good stuff. This is good stuff.
Now, David says, verse number nine, hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. Now, David uses a phrase here. He says, hide not thy face far from me. Now, it is not often talked about, but there are times when God hides or conceals himself. There are times, there are circumstances, there are situations where God will hide himself. There are times where you don't see, you don't recognize the moving of God. I remember years ago hearing a preacher say, when you can't trace God, meaning that when you can't identify the way he's moving and what's going on, when you just don't know what's going on, he said, when you can't trace God, will you trust God? There are times where the movement of God is difficult for us to see. There's times where it's hard for us to determine just what God is doing in a particular season. Sometimes we, it's, it's, it's difficult, amen. See, the way of God sometimes is strange. Bible says Isaiah 28, 21. Bible calls the work of God strange at times. It says, for the Lord shall raise up in the Mount Pharazim. He shall be wroth in the valley of Gibeon, that he may do his work, his strange work, and bring to pass his act, his strange act. The way of God sometimes is strange. You don't, we don't always understand it. It's so much so that the Bible at times calls it strange because we just don't get it. Amen. The ways of God at times can seem to be unfamiliar. And really so if you are unaware of the word. So the, the less you are in the word, the more you're going to be surprised at what God does. Now, if you're in the word and you stay in the word consistently, okay, then you will have a better time. It'll be easier for you to recognize how God is moving and what God is doing. Why? Because he moves in accordance with his word. 
Now, if you're not in the word, you're not going to realize that. You're not going to recognize. So you're going to have more times than others, amen, other brothers and sisters when situations come up, okay? If you don't read the word and you don't stay in the word and you don't see, uh, familiarize yourself with how God operates in different situations and in different circumstances, then if you are unaware of those things and then in life you run into a situation similar to whatever it may be, when God starts to move, you're not going, it's going to be a little difficult for you because you are unfamiliar with the work of God. You're unfamiliar with the moving of God. So as God begins to move in a situation that might be new for you, you got to understand there's nothing new under the sun. Now, it might be you might be experiencing it. I might be experiencing it newly for the first time, but it has happened or a version of that or something similar to that has already happened. Amen. And because of that, that means that within the scripture, there is a point of reference. You will only be familiar with it or have a point of reference. Let me, let me say it this way. Your point of reference will always be relative to your level of commitment to staying in the word. The more committed you are to staying in the word and you actually stay in the word, the greater your point of reference. So when things happen in life and starts to get busy and things start to go, you'll be able to look at some situations and you'll say, God is moving. Okay, I see God doing something right now. Amen. Amen. Take COVID, for example. God is doing a great and terrible work all at the same time in this land right about now. Yet there are some people who remain unable to see the overarching hand of God even in these trying times. Well, if you familiarize yourself with the word of God, then you can look at no matter what the circumstance is, no matter what the situation is, no matter what's going on in the world, the scripture will give you a point of reference. It'll give you a baseline. Amen. 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 David says, hide not thy face far from me. There are times where God will conceal himself. There are times where you won't be able to find God. And this is even with you having a point of reference. There will be times where you cannot find God. And this is biblical and this is the way that it is. Why? Because in some instances, the, you have to understand there, God has to, God is always concerned with growing your faith. So he's going to allow you to go through circumstances and situations that are going to stretch your faith. So there's no need in trying to, 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 to avoid having to exercise faith and how, and getting out. No, no, no. Some things are going to work out swimmingly well in your favor. And you're going to be excited about it. You're going to be happy about it but then there are going to be some situations that just don't go the way that you want. There's going to be some situations, some circumstances that just didn't go the way you anticipated, didn't go according to plan, your plan rather. 
And not because you did anything, not because you sinned, not because you dropped the ball. There are going to be some circumstances where you're not going to immediately know what the answer is. There are going to be some circumstances that when you get into it, the only thing you're going to know to do is pray. And that's good enough. Scripture teaches that God declares the, the end from the beginning. You don't need to know all of the details. You just need to know that you serve a God who's a God of the details. He don't miss a beat. You might miss one. I might miss one. And we definitely will. We're going to miss a whole heap of them before it's all said and done. But aren't you glad to know that the one true and living God is a God of the details that he catches what you miss? That he picks up what you drop? Amen. Amen. I'm glad about that. I hope you are. God's not going to always give you the details. not going to always explain it. David said, hide not thy face. And at times we feel the same way. God, don't hide your face. But notice the language of the scripture. He says, hide not thy face far from me. Look at the context. He modified it. He doesn't want God to hide. It's not just hide. He says, hide not thy face far from me. He didn't tell him, don't hide your face at all. He says, he just said, don't hide it far from me. Did you notice that? He did not say, don't hide from me at all. No. He said, don't hide thy face far from me. That's a request that acknowledges. Number one, it is God's divine prerogative to hide. And number two, God does hide sometimes. Sometimes God hides in response or for the purpose of growing our faith. Now, what I mean by that is, is that it's not that he's gone. But there's a period of silence. It's when you're praying and you're waiting on God. Things seem to be unraveling. The world seems to be burning down around you and you're trying and calling out for God and, but you just can't seem to, to get an answer. You know he hears you because you know like David, you know the platform 
on which you're making your request. I've been walking in obedience. I've been walking in fulfillment of the scripture. I've been doing what God says. But there are some times that no matter how faithful I am, I call out to God and I don't get an answer. And it's going to be like that sometime. But it don't mean that God left you. It doesn't mean that God has abandoned you. It doesn't mean that he's put you aside. But what I submit to you today is that God's exercising your faith. He's growing your faith. You've got to know how to worship God in the lean times. And just how are you going to do that if God never allows you to experience leanness? How are you going to learn to serve God in the hard times if he never lets you experience hardship? It's one thing to say amen in peacetime, but it's quite a different thing to say amen during times of struggle and war and distress. It's easy to do it when things are easy and conducive to it. But to worship and praise God when the environment is antagonistic against that very thing? That's something totally different. Hide not thy face far from me. God, I know there's going to be times where through no fault of my own, your face is going to be hidden. And that simply means that I can't get an answer from God. That's the way it seems. I know there's going to be some times like that. And God, I understand you've got to do it because the trying of my faith is more precious than gold. God has great value in strengthening your faith. Because if you can believe God in the little things, then my goodness, you, got, you can believe God for little bigger things. And if you can believe God for the little bigger things, then you can believe God for the things bigger and greater than that. And if you can believe God for the things bigger and greater than that, then on and on it goes. But it starts with that believing God, that mustard seed faith, if you will. It starts with learning to trust and believe God in the small things. Because you need the practice of believing God in the small things to enable you to believe God.
in the bigger things. And God knows what you need. And he grows your faith incrementally. Starts with a few, with, with a few little things. Then they get a little bit bigger and they get a little bit bigger. And there are periods and times where you've got to trust God and you don't seem to have a point of reference where you don't know where God is doing. And, and not because you don't know the word, not, not in that situation, but meaning that you don't immediately know why God is not answering you. You just know that you're calling out to him and you know you've been doing right, living right, but he hasn't answered yet. God's teaching you to be faithful. God's teaching you to be steadfast. God's teaching you to be unmovable. God's teaching you how to not be fair weather, just in it for as long as things are good. God's teaching you how to stand for the long haul. God's teaching you how to make it through the dark nights. God's teaching you how to make it through the long seasons. God's teaching you how to survive the winters of life. And he does it incrementally. We got things going on in the world. We got natural disasters, hurricanes, firestorms. We even got pestilence and all that kind of stuff going on. Disease is, is rampant, sickness. COVID is the biggest, one of the biggest things right now. And it's, and, and it's mutating. And all of these different things. But let me talk to the household of faith for just a minute here. My Bible tells me that nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. When you look at all, all of us, it's, it's, Without a doubt, in an instant, with all the things that's going on, for many people, the world became a scarier place overnight. Things going one way, and the next day, everything was just upside down. But many of you, and I'm talking about those of you who are in the household of faith, You've been in this thing with the Lord for some time now. And you ought to be handling these things better than the way you are. Fear has all but swallowed some of you up. You're worried about tomorrow, worried about these things. But you're supposed to have been laying up your treasure, treasure on, others, on the other side. Where moth and rust, they, they can't corrupt. That doesn't mean that we as children of God are authorized to go around being reckless. Uh-uh. You don't tempt the Lord to take care of you. But you don't go around walking and acting as if God is not taking care of you because he is. 
And I want to remind some of you that God is still in control. He's still on the throne. And if you want that fear that to go away, to dissipate, that has all but seemingly taken you over, especially during this season, you need to go back to that word. And you need to remind yourself about what your heavenly father has spoken. And it's time to start walking in it again. That does not mean being reckless. That doesn't mean being doing things that are just ridiculous. Bible says, having done all to stand, stand, therefore. You do your part in every situation where you have a part, whatever that may be. You do all that you can to stand. And when you're done, then stand up. But brother, walk what I'm standing for. See the salvation of the Lord. Because all your help and all your strength comes from the Lord. Having done all to stand, stand. Hide not thy face far from me. There are times where God does hide. Today, we talked a little bit about when God hides. Not because you've done something wrong or not in response to you having messed up something. But God hiding or being silent, if you will, during the times that he's deemed necessary in order to grow your faith. Because God will be silent or hidden, if you will, in those times. Next week, we'll talk about some of the other ways or circumstances that can occur in which God will also hide himself. Amen. So today was the, was the positive side of it. Next week, we'll deal a little bit more with the negative side or issues in which will cause God to hide himself. God bless you until next week. Wow.